to people my dog would like, where I get to speak with interesting people about their game-changing ideas, fresh initiatives and out-of-the-box movements with an eye on the future. Today, my guest is Julian Mitchell. Julian is co-founder of Lifecycle, spelt C-Y-K-E-L, an Australian mushroom biotech company that he founded with good friend Ryan Creed. He grew up in WA, always exploring nature and passionate about health and sustainability. After studying physiotherapy and working in the English Premier League, he returned to Australia where he learnt that you can grow mushrooms from recycling coffee waste. He now lives in Byron Bay where the business is based. Weekdays are spent creating new mushroom products and technologies while the weekends are for exploring the forests for weird and wonderful mushrooms. Welcome to the show, Joe Julian. Thank you for having me, Lizzie. Very excited to chat about mushrooms and the future. Well, I'm interested to know what you what got you into the food industry. I do I did read up a little bit about you and I knew that you were working in the mines for a while, but you know, I personally feel there's a revolution unfolding in Australia in the food industry. So can you tell me a little bit about what led you into it? Sure, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, starting as a physio, so I always had had a base interest in in health and understanding I guess health um, has many layers to it not just physical but mental, but also uh, what are we putting into our bodies each day. And when Ryan and I were working on the mines as, as health consultants, I guess we found a lot of the issues stemmed back to what people were consuming and putting in their mouths each day uh, and, and giving that the, the right respect, having the right education and knowledge for that and having access to the right foods. And so I guess there's also a lot of talk about, you know, what's the future of energy, um, you know, how do we – power homes and cars and cities sustainably and then it's also a matter of what does the future of food look like and so that was of interest to us and we were looking at different models for how you may feed 8 billion people in the future and we came across mushrooms um, and and they just ticked all the boxes from a a nutrient point of view a sustainability point of view I mean we can grow out of a container Uh, a lot of mushrooms that consume very little water energy use no need for chemical inputs growing from a waste product that just ticked all the boxes to ignore and that's that's why we got started with mushrooms. Yeah, listen, I recently bought some lion's mane sachets, which I love. So lion's mane I think is a form of mushroom and have also since been told of the medicinal and nutritional effects of mushrooms. I know there are often disclaimers you need to mention before we go into medicinal properties of mushrooms. But I do know there's a lot of history in healing with food. I mean, I, I looked up a couple of quotes and it was Hippocrates. He said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And there's a guy called Norman Cousins who wrote the book Anatomy of an Illness and he said each patient carries his own doctor inside him. And I wondered if you could go into kind of your experience in, in mushrooms as a medicinal uh, contributor. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you mentioned, the you know, let food be thy medicine has been, uh, you know, a part of uh, modern medicine as a philosophy for a long time. And I think uh, in, in the Western world, it's gotten lost a little bit and, and mistranslated and we're not just giving the respect and education for the effect each bite has on our genetics, on our DNA, 
on how we feel and how those genetics are expressed, which down the line affects chronic disease, illness, and just on a daily basis, general well-being. So mushrooms, um, you know, I guess as, as a core role, they should be seen as you know immune-boosting, um, you know, foods and supplements um, that can be added added to meals. And so this has been seen in ch- traditional Chinese medicine for thousands of years, and they're revered in historical anecdotes, in paintings, in artwork. I was in China last year and I went to a number of traditional Chinese uh, pharmacies and you know, you're just buying dried mushrooms. Um, so instead of going into a pharmacy where you've got you know, containers full of, of capsules and different things, you're buying the roots of mushrooms or you're buying the roots of other, other plants. And so their philosophy on medicine was very much based around these foods and these, these mushrooms. And so when we look at mushrooms, there's thousands of varieties um, and within that there are you know, reishi, lion's mane, cordyceps, chaga and those, those four are really the, the ones that have been studied the most and, and by that I mean thousands of medical journals from John Hopkins University to Stanford University to a number of other universities that have studied these in great detail. And so there's no surprise what these mushrooms have. It's well known that they each have immune boosting properties that affect the liver, the brain, uh, the nervous system, uh, your lungs. So they, they have um, profound benefits and effects that the research is suggesting, um, and that's very interesting. And I guess to us, we're not looking to use them to, to treat or diagnose any illness. It's just a matter of upgrading immunity on a daily basis um, because our lives are, are stressful and for, for many reasons, both you know the activities that we're undertaking but also the pathogens and bacteria that we're coming into contact with. So just... Going back to that, so you've just mentioned four particular kinds of mushroom. What do they have different effects on different parts of the body? Do you know anything about that? Yes, yeah, so lion's mane is a mushroom that looks like a, a pom pom, and essentially it's uh, it's well known for its ability to promote nerve growth factor and stimulate nerve growth factor, which stimulates the remyelination of nerve cells, and so. The, if you imagine an electrical cord as your nerve carrying impulses around your body and you have that outer layer, that protective layer that provides insulation, that's called your myelin sheath. And so lion's mane is good at remyelinating this nerve. And so what that does is ensure that the, the impulses and the signals from your brain to other parts of your body are smooth and essentially working well. And so as you get older, this impulse or this insulation slows down um, it's not as sharp and so this is where you know from a subjective feeling you may get mild cognitive impairment where you're just not as sharp you're not able to think uh, what you know what that uh, thing on the list was that you had to get at the shops um, you may have tasks or memory and so this is I guess known as mild cognitive impairment as you're getting older you're just not as sharp and so Lion's Mane has shown in, in a number of studies to help with this to help with memory to help with focus so that's, uh, that's known as a, a brain-boosting mushroom. Wow. And what about cordyceps? Do you know if there's anything in particular cordyceps kind of targets? Most of the studies around cordyceps have been to do with VO2 max and endurance, so uptake of oxygen to the cells. Right. Okay. So very popular with endurance athletes. Yeah, okay. Very popular in terms of oxygenation of cells. And so I'm not sure if you're familiar with, with things like the Wim Hof technique, which is, you know, taking the world by storm at the moment, which is essentially a breathing exercise. He's the guy that puts himself in freezing cold water in the mornings, isn't he? 
Exactly. He does that and he does a number of breathing exercises to increase his oxygen in his body. Um, and yeah. the effects around, you know, having more oxygen in your body is deeper breathing um, allows for more energy. And so cordyceps um, is along those lines in that it's been shown in, in studies to increase your oxygen uptake of the cells, giving you more energy. Wow. I mean, can you give me an example? I, it could be a long shot, but could you give me an example of where you see mushrooms being able to supplement or replace former pharmaceutical medications? I mean, what kind of illness do you think they can combat? I know you're talking about the immune system as a whole, but, you know, have you kind of had some subjective experience with it? Well, I mean, if we look at um, pharmaceuticals now, some of the top 10 medications contain fungi. Um, so they're already being used for quite some time. So cyclosporin, which is used for implants. So if you're having a, a kidney transplant or a liver transplant, this medication is used. But this comes from a fungi. It's derived from a mushroom. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. So, that, so that's already been used and it's been used for a long time. Penicillin comes from a fungi. Uh, Anti-cholesterol-lowering medication, antihypertensives all have mushroom ingredients. So they've been used for a long time. It's not a new thing. Um, but I guess it's a new thing to our, our level of knowledge. And so there's a lot of potential there in the world of, of mushrooms and fungi for different uh, you know, conditions. Um, it's all very early and new, but there is already some in place mm. uh, such as those. So it's a very exciting area and we really don't know much. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking given that you were a physiotherapist and then working on the mines to earn a bit of money as well and then started working in the mushroom industry, you must be heavily diving down the rabbit hole with the biotechnology of mushrooms, are you? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, I you know, started with Ryan and myself and interest in agriculture and we've evolved into a biotechnology company because we've seen uh, the applications across many areas of, of mushrooms. And within that now we have uh, you know, a biotechnology engineer, a mycologist, so a team of scientists that are, are deep down the rabbit hole uh, in the laboratory developing technologies um, which we have a number of patents around. So it's an interesting area and um, it, it's exciting. Wow, that is so exciting. So when was it that you actually formed the company? I'm sorry if you mentioned it before, I missed it. Yeah, it was two and a half years ago from, from today really. So it's, yeah, well, Wow, that is so fast that you are scaling up that quickly and, and hiring these kind of specialists. It's amazing. Yes, yeah, really taken a life of its own um, and we're having a great time but uh, I guess... Yeah, it's just we just see there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot to do, and so um, I think when you when you're a small startup, you can go fast because um, you know, there's not too many bottlenecks. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Not too many legacy systems that you have to deal with first before you can kind of race and get something done. Exactly. So, what kind of partnerships are you looking at forming? Partnerships? Are you looking for bigger investments so you can st- scale up faster? Yeah, I mean, we're, I mean, generally biotechnology companies, are, you know, working on one product that you know takes many years of testing to get right, and in between that time, they they I guess looking for funding, and I guess we're in our sense we are able to self fund in the sense of we have revenue or retail products, so we have retail products that people can can buy, and that helps reinvest into our R and D for other things that we're working on, such as as mushroom leather. Um, animal immune extracts. Yeah, I know. I want to talk about that as well because that was so cool. I didn't even know about the mushroom leather that you were working on. But, you know, I was really particularly drawn to the strategic work you're doing to build local food communities. You know, I guess it's mushroom sheds 
for people that have got the space, but it's also just everyone having mushroom boxes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because it looks fantastic and is seemingly very strategic. Yeah, so we started with the mushroom box, which was our, I guess, our first product. And it was really about connecting people just to, to mushrooms because people are very unfamiliar with them. They pop up and then they're gone. And, uh, you know, people are asking questions, are they poisonous? Are they psychedelic? That's generally our knowledge of mushrooms or are they a button mushroom? Um, but there's so many varieties. And so we have a mushroom box that you can put on your kitchen bench. And within 14 days, you're growing mushrooms. And it's been very, very popular with, with families, um, with people living in apartments, with people who are interested in mushrooms, people who like you know, fresh, delicious food. And so I guess our, our early mission and still is very much part of our main mission is connecting people back to growing food themselves and understanding where food came from. So that was the easiest way to do that. And an extension from that now is our national mushroom network, which we've developed to essentially allow people to, one, monetize their backyard and grow mushrooms for their community, but two, you know, decentralize food production. So there's a network of smaller mushroom production sheds around Australia that are producing mushrooms for local cafes and restaurants, decreasing carbon footprint of food miles, but increasing freshness and taste of the product. Mm. And diversity as well. I mean, let's be honest, you don't go to the main supermarkets and see lion's mane there, do you, or cordyceps, really? You'd have to be going to market gardens and things like that to be finding them. Yeah, even, I mean, lion's mane is not grown at all in Australia at the moment. It's only, you know, through finding native uh, varieties that this is possible. So that's, you know, it's that's, again, why we're sort of on the weekends out foraging um, yeah. WA down in Manjimup and, and down in the southwest and in, now that we're in New South Wales, we're, you know, it's in the hinterland in the rainforests where there's a plethora of, of mushrooms um, natively that we can cultivate and then commercialize. Yeah, I guess if you were down in Manjimup as well, you could also try and look for some truffles. We could, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. That would be another revenue stream, I guess, Julian. <laughs> Truffle is part of the fungi family. They are, they are. You know what I mean, though, don't you? I think Manjimup is the home of truffles in WA, isn't it? It is. It's, it's, I think it's the home for Australia. It produces um, uh, more than 50% of Australia's truffles. Yeah, it's incredible. And so I'm sure that they exist outside of one person's farm is what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, how's, how's the business been received? I know you're clearly hiring people because you're really interested in the biotech and the medicinal value of mushrooms and obviously now you're moving into fashion, but how's it been received from a kind of an eating point of view and, and even these sheds, for instance? Really, really well. I mean, we were lucky uh, early on to get a lot of media, I guess. Um, the story really resonated um, with a lot of people around the fact we collect coffee waste that usually goes to landfill and from that we're able to grow mushrooms. And so within the first sort of, I guess, six months of starting, we had something like 3 million views on social media across ABC News, Landline, Gardening Australia, Huffington Post. Um, there was another guy in America who was seen as a, um, you know, I guess a thought leader in health and sustainability and he posted a video and that got 800,000 views. So that really our awareness. Wow, who was that? His name was David Wolf. I've heard of him, yeah. Yep. So that really, I guess, um, catapulted things in terms of interest and awareness. And so since that day, we haven't, or since then, we haven't really been able to meet demand in terms of fresh mushrooms. Yeah, okay. I do know myself, I did try and go on, I think I told you last week, and I couldn't find the mushrooms that I wanted to buy, but I'll, I'll do it again this week. And I know you've got a great offer for listeners as well, so we'll talk about that at the end. Right. So I'll just mention again that we are speaking with Julian Mitchell. Julian's the co-founder of an incredible new 
Well, fairly new mushroom biotechnology company that is based in Byron Bay and we are talking everything mushroomed. And, uh, yeah, so, Julian, it sounds like you're very busy. Very busy and um, I think, you know, the, the mushroom space is very exciting. Um, we, you know, before we started the business, we saw, uh, you know, medicinal cannabis and, and marijuana in terms of, you know, hemp becoming legal in terms of hemp protein or hemp seeds mm. and natural foods. And, and mushrooms in terms of medicinal mushrooms are the next wave of that and even easier because we don't need to go through any legislation. They're fine to consume. Um, so I guess that's people wanting whole foods, people wanting natural foods, people wanting uh, things that are from the ground that are organic um, that make sense to be consuming um, is, is I guess where the market's going and mushrooms fit into that as do avocados, as, as does hemp protein, hemp seeds. And that's really, again, going back to what you were saying, you know, treat food as medicine um that's that's Mm. and i'm getting a real sense that you do feel like this is the future of food do you want to talk a little bit about that i certainly know that i'm starting to become super conscious about what i eat i used to think that organic was not a waste of time but incredibly expensive but now i actually think that it's expensive not to go organic or biodynamic because of the impact that all the chemical fertilizers have on your body and other things Exactly, and the body and the land. I mean, we've had so many conversations with farmers, older farmers who have mentioned, you know, when they were young, they would be picking mushrooms out of the fields all the time at certain parts of the year, and now these mushrooms aren't popping up. And this is a real warning sign of, uh, you know, farming practices, monocultures, pesticides, chemicals. Um, And then further to that, what nutrients carries forward through into the foods we're eating um, when the soils aren't healthy. And so... You know, they've got to come together in terms of a healthy planet and how we farm sustainably and then also how we eat sustainably. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I'm not, uh, you know, signed up to any specific diet around vegan or vegetarian, but I understand the importance of lowering our meat intake and having a plant-based diet for the most part because it's healthy for us. And so mushrooms feed into that because it's a sustainable yeah. source of protein. You get B vitamins, you get amino acids, and you get a full spectrum of immune boosting properties so they just you know are a natural substitute at the moment in america and in silicon valley you see a lot of startup companies working on laboratory meat-based products that bleed like a burger um, but it's created in a lab and i think how do you feel about that i think it's crazy um because mushrooms can fit this substitute because you have mushrooms like the king oyster that tastes like abalone mushrooms like lion's mane that tastes like lobster oh do they okay i wondered what they tasted like yeah so you have these natural mushrooms that have have different taste profiles and are very healthy and natural and organic and i think that's the path we need to go down yeah have you heard about the milk company that's in san francisco that is perfect milk or some perfect day i think it's called do you know that one no i haven't heard oh so they do fully synthetic milk that doesn't come from a cow Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently, it tastes exactly like milk, and it's got. And they do build it from all the beginning um, milk bacteria, or whatever you call it, that that creates milk. And I, I, you know, part of me is for it because I'm pretty anti the way the dairy industry treats the animals, and I'm pretty anti the amount of cows that are used that are creating methane gas. So I do feel that there's a place for it in the future. For sure, it's not black or white, um, and this is biotechnology in terms of you know mixing nature and nature's environment with you know technology, and it, it, each case has to be judged on its own in terms of what's deemed natural. As long as everyone is very transparent about it, I guess, and we're, and we're critically thinking: does that sound right? Does it sound natural? 
um, and not buying into marketing, then you know, I think everyone can make the right decision. So that sounds good in theory and um, it's all a matter of... Yeah, I think they're called Perfect Day. They're worth checking out. I personally thought they were really interesting. I actually thought they were going to put New Zealand out of out of their dairy industry, but I do think that there is room for all different industries. And I do love it when really smart tech can work with nature to create something that's much more sustainable, better for humans, better for the environment. Exactly. I mean, you have a number of algae farms at the moment uh, generating algae out of CO2 emissions. So yeah, there's a, it's a really exciting time. The last 10 years was defined by software and hardware and um, internet-based companies. And the next 10 years, I think, will be defined by biotechnology companies that revolutionise many industries, including definitely food and how food... Yeah, absolutely. It's really exciting. So listen, you talked before about David Wolf. I think you said his name was, but who are some of the individuals or businesses out there who you admire, who whose principles or the way of doing things you look to when you, you know, you're running your own business or making decisions in your own life? You've obviously become a very successful biotech company. I would imagine you've got some pretty interesting people out there that you look to for guidance or advice or, you know, even mentors that don't even know they're mentoring you. Exactly. There's um, there's so many of them, so many people doing great things out there, both big and small. And I guess it's just looking at the ecosystem and and drawing inspiration from from so many in terms of their strategy. Uh, But I guess the ones that really uh, interest to us are ones that are, you know, trying to change things for the better and have the right intent. And I think that's for most businesses today. They can't go into business to make money because the consumer is not interested so much in that. They want to know the story and the intent of the company. Um, and I think obviously standouts have, for me have always been um, Tesla in terms of trying to revolutionize electric vehicles and moving away from a fossil fuel based transport system. Sure. So that's all, he's always been, I guess, a, a role model in that sense because he's moving an industry in a category that if he hadn't done that, we probably would still be doing the same thing. Um, now there's many people coming on board to, to copycat him and that's fine because it's all for, in the right direction of moving towards electric vehicles. So he's probably a standout, Elon Musk and and Tesla and what they've done there. Outside of that, there's many micro startups that are doing great work in in algae or waste into food or, you know, just waste management. So Just out of interest, because I do think listeners are often really interested after an episode to actually dive a bit deeper themselves. So who are some of the businesses or, or individuals that you could mention, do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, Elon Musk is, is a standout. Ecovative is an amazing mushroom company doing biomaterials out of mushrooms in, in America. So the E-C-O-V-A-T-I-V-E, Ecovative are doing doing some, some exciting things. Um, I think Amazon is an exciting company to look at just from the point of view of how they've been able to integrate and disrupt industries now, whether for good or bad, is interesting um, because they've killed a lot of small business, but at the same time, um, just their strategy and how they've gone about it. I guess I look at companies in terms of impact um, because it's very easy to have ideas around you know, how to how to make the world better or how to do something differently. But can you strategically implement it, I guess, is the really, really hard part. And so that's what we look at is, is who is having a, a real uh, impact. Although at the same time, I think your strategy for selling or creating the the national mushroom network and distributing these sheds was decentralizing the kind of power forces of of a market and i think that in itself is a really smart move and very strategic and very very resilient 
For sure. I mean, I guess, uh, I guess, and one other inspiration outside of companies would be mycelium. And so mycelium are the roots of mushrooms. And so they're known as the internet of the underground. And I guess we try and act a little bit like, uh, like the mycelium in the sense of collaboration over competition. Yep. And so, you know, trying to work with as many other companies and, and individuals as possible and work in a collaborative partnership where both partners are benefiting and that includes the national mushroom network where we've had so many people come to us wanting to start farms um and so you know how can we enable them to do that rather than trying to keep it all to ourselves yeah. i think we can have more of an impact by including more people we can never you know do it all no company can ever own the entire market so it's not about owning the market it's about you know can we move humanity forward from the point of view of consuming more mushrooms and decentralizing food and what's the strategy for that? And so it's clever. Yeah, which I think was so forward-thinking and so, um, I guess, generative, you know? Yeah, I think, um, you know, whether you believe in, in karma or whatever it may be, just doing the right thing is always the right way to go about it. And so this was the best strategy for yeah. that. And so, you know, hold on a tick, sorry. I'm sitting on a chair that keeps tweaking, so I'm just changing chairs while I'm talking to you. So listen... What do you see as being the most game-changing movement that's going to have a transformational impact on our lives in the future? Do you do you think about that? I mean, you've just mentioned Tesla, and I guess that is a massive game-changer in the energy space. Is there, are there other movements that you think about that you feel are going to have a really transformative effect on us? I think the category would be biotechnology. Uh, because yep. that, will, you know, that will go from everything from how medicine is looked at in terms of a reactive model where you go there and you get diagnosed, um, you know, you're not feeling well, you go to a doctor, you get diagnosed versus ahead of time understanding your risk profile and what you're at risk at and making steps to change that based on reading your, your genome and your DNA ahead of time, which, you know, five to ten years ago used to cost around a million dollars per person and is now $50,000 and in mm. another three years will be as much as $100 to get your DNA and your genomes read to understand where you're up to and what's really at risk for you. That's, I guess, one example of biotechnology in, in medicine, but then we have biotechnology in terms of you know, how we're feeding livestock sustainably and stopping to cut down rainforests for broadacre farming. We could be you know, using the oceans for algae. We can be using um, CO2 to create algae. We can be using mushrooms from waste products and organic waste. So, yeah, I think biotechnology mixing and going back to nature for inspiration and answers can, with the convergence of improved technology will allow for the next leap of, you know, I guess, how we progress. Sounds, yeah. I mean, I'd be with you on that one as well. It's so exciting. It's why I work in the space and talk to so many interesting thought leaders because I do think it's changing really fast too. So, The importance, I guess, is the intent. You know, what is the intent of the company and uh, understanding with technology and the ability to scale, you can have a really positive impact. Yeah. And I guess that's my um, thoughts on the last 10 years of of the digital revolution and software and hardware and you know, have we really pushed our living standards forward um, through the internet and through technology? I think, yes, in part we have, and in other parts we could have done a better job. So that would probably just be like my warning for the next 10 years of technology. Um, what is the intent and are we improving people's lives Genuinely. Yeah, particularly with such growth in urbanisation, I do think that the governments and local communities need to work together to try and make sure that the communities in those urban centres are sustainable because at the moment the energy use is just out of control and that's particularly so in Australia, which is it's not good. You know. 
Anyway, I expect you've had some aha moments in your time. Which of these do you, do you feel was the most life-changing? Yeah, um, the aha moment. There's been so many, especially in the last two and a half years because you're on such a rapid yeah. learning cycle. But prior to that, it was Well, you can tell us more than, more than one. Um, I think the aha moment would be when I was, you know, I worked in England as a as a physio in the English Premier League, and I thought that this was, you know, my dreams come true, and it's something I've been working towards for you know, four or five years, and it had come true. And then the aha moment was really an intuitive feeling that that's actually not the path that I wanted to go down. Um, and instead of, I guess, getting a lot of positive feedback from outside in terms of what an amazing job, what an amazing, you know, opportunity. And it was, but it wasn't the right fit for me. And so the aha moment was that, you know, I needed to, to go back to uh, thinking what it is I wanted to do. Um, and so I guess going back to a feeling of your intuition and and working with natural energy in the sense of uh, you know, thinking for yourself as to what you want to do and going down that path until it feels right. And so I think many people jump into to things because it seemed to be right and it seemed to be the right thing to do. And they get a lot of positive feedback, for, but for themselves, it doesn't feel right. And so the aha moment was listening intuitively to uh, what feels right and which path I wanted to go down. And I can say very happily right now, I'm extremely happy and I, and I just feel that I'm aligned with, with what I want to do with my time. Yeah, I mean, were you struggling working in the kind of culture of the English Premier League? Because I would imagine that it would be quite challenging at times. It was very interesting. It was another world, um, literally, in the sense that you've got young guys who were my age at the time, you know, 22, 23, on 50 to 100,000 pounds per week um, playing football. Um, so it's another world and it's another reality. And they had many challenges dealing with that because, um, you know, you've got all of this all of this money coming in, all of this fame coming in. Um, so it's a real challenge for, for them to, to handle that. And it's not a real world, um, so it was. It just didn't. Yeah, didn't probably have the depth that I needed, um, or, or was after in terms of you know just wanting to, I guess, have a positive impact. Yeah, I mean, I certainly remember as a therapist. I used to work as a psychotherapist in London, and some of the clients that I had were in that space in the Premier League and earning a lot of money, and they were very, very depressed. And so I just thought at that stage, yeah, people had no idea what the pressure felt like to earn that level of money and to have that level of fame, it, it was quite crushing for them. And I actually felt, I really felt for them in the end. For sure. So that was probably a, a second aha moment is when you see that, and I was privileged to see it so early in my career um, where you know, you're working with these guys who from the outside look to be have it, have it all and they do have everything they, they could ever wish for, um, but that didn't align or correlate with happiness in any way. And so that was really you know, the aha moment again was seeing that and understanding money doesn't correlate to happiness or fame doesn't correlate to happiness or sense of well-being. And so you have to, you know, I guess, look internally at what happiness really is and what it looks like and, and try and strategically move towards that with your time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what is what would you say is kind of the moment where you were sitting there with Ryan and said, hey, let's do this mushroom thing? Yeah, um, we, we did a lot of brainstorming and a lot of reading to review different, you know, systems and models for food such as aquaponics and hydroponics and and just through, I guess, reading a lot and looking at a lot, we're able to understand the, the landscape and the ecosystem and also what's happened before 
in the last hundred years, um, because many times in, in human history we just go around in circles, so it's important to look at history. And uh, you know, mushrooms just tick so many boxes, and it was just a matter of jumping into it with zero experience. Um, and yeah, it just sort of one thing led to another, and um, that's what, what got us to where we are. But it was just an interest and, and I guess a basic checklist of no chemical inputs, very low land use, very low water use, very low electricity use, nutrient-wise, you know, very rich. And so we just said, tick, 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 um, let, let's have a look at mushrooms. Yeah, it worked with the checklist. It sounds pretty impressive. So listen, what's one daily habit or hack or routine that you have that you feel contributes to your well-being or happiness? Julian? Yeah, um, I think the morning is the key, really. Um, and if you can win the morning, then then you are, you set yourself up for a good day. And that's as simple as making your bed um, and having a morning morning routine. So that's you know something my mum would be very proud of. She took a <laughs> of it. did you make your bed when you were younger? Absolutely not. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the importance of it of just you know, something so simple, making your bed, um, the discipline that's required, and and the routine and, you know, you've just had a, a very quick win. And, you know, from from the point of view of you know, aesthetics, um, it's just a pleasing moment making your bed. It looks nice. And then you get on with your day and you're, you've already had a very small success. It's building a habit like that into your day. I think that can actually have quite a, a big effect. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, how often are you up in Byron Bay? Are you, are you based there pretty much all the time? Yeah, we're living here and, uh, you know, it's a – we have a laboratory here and, and Toma, um, the biotechnology engineer and our, our team member here. And so I guess it's where we do a lot of development and innovation. And what about, so what do you do? Is it really just foraging down in, in the southwest of WA? Yeah, well, I, I grew up in the southwest of WA, but uh, don't spend a lot of time there now, really based over here. And, mm. and the great thing about mushrooms is you know, there's so many different varieties in different locations. Um, but really at the moment, you know, we're, we're foraging out of interest and passion. Yeah. <laughs> but most of our, our work is done in either yeah, in, in the lab or in offices in terms of what we're, what we're working on. I tell you what would be a great idea would be to partner with some schools and get some school kids to do some foraging classes with you. Absolutely. I mean, that education piece is, is, is very important and, and kids connecting to nature I think has so many positive effects in terms of, both food and, and just the ecosystem of the forest and, and how they all sort of collaborate and work together. So for sure, we have just released a lesson plan um, for primary schools, which gives some information and makes it easy for teachers to, to be able to, I guess, pass those messages on. But field trips, are, of course, are um, that would be an amazing, amazing opportunity. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be great if the government would back you to give a few yeah. mushroom boxes to each of the primary schools, for instance, in New South Wales or something like that, just so the kids could watch them grow. I think that would be such an amazing learning experience for them. Mm, yeah, we've, um, well, we have a fundraising program, which essentially we're trying to swap out the, the chocolate box uh, for a mushroom box, and it's, it's going very well. It's very popular. Um, and that's really around, you know, schools being able to raise necessary funds for excursions or trips through selling mushroom boxes, which then... That sounds great. I could, I'd do that. I've been asked to help fundraise for my daughter's band. She's in a band called The Sweethearts down in Geelong and they are a great kind of big band, but they did talk about a chocolate run and I was like, really, in 2018 we're doing a chocolate run? You know what I mean? Exactly. I thought so there were better ways. 
Exactly. And so that's something I guess we, yeah, we, we're doing in the background and, and very passionate about is yeah, education and kids growing food, understanding where their food come from and understanding recycling and that or upcycling and that you can turn coffee waste a seen uh, you know waste product into nutrient rich food so yeah that's going very well and we're very excited about that education part because it's obviously very important yeah listen and it's just fabulous i love that you're getting kids involved as well and i love the upcycling in coffee beans because if we all know what melbourne's good for it's coffee coffee and fine and, and good tasting food so it's a match made in heaven yeah absolutely absolutely so listen, what advice, I often, I ask all my guests this, what advice would your 80-year-old self give today if he sat down with you and had a cup of lion's mane? What do you think your 80-year-old self would say to you today? I think, that's a good question, I think really around, uh, you know, regret and, and making sure we're not living with any regret and so um, don't leave don't sit on the bench um, in terms of if you're, if you're passionate about something and you're wanting to do something and uh, whether it's simple as telling a loved one something or going and taking action on an idea you've had that you're sitting on for a long time, jump in and do it um, because when you get to 80 and if you're living with regret, it's probably going to be one of the most painful experiences you're going to have, understanding that you, know, you haven't followed your passion, followed your dream, um, told someone how you feel about them or just expressed yourself. Um, so I guess natural expression through action of what you're feeling um, and not, not letting that bottle up and be 80 years old and having regret, I think that's that's probably the advice. Sounds like pretty wise advice too. <laughs> so listen, say, what are your goals for the next, say, I know it's really hard to put a timeline out there, but say the next five years, things are moving so fast, but where do you see yourself heading and, and what do you want to be achieved? with the business by, say, 2022, 23? Yeah, I think it's it's having a, a real tangible impact on global, global issues. That's sort of our biotechnology piece. So we have our retail products that are very interesting to us and you know, we're very passionate about upgrading people's health and immunity on a micro level each day by consuming you know, lion's mane for, for brain and, and nervous system or cordyceps for, for energy or reishi just you know, to decrease stress levels. Those retail products are interesting, but in the long term, it's, it's biotechnology, it's mushroom leather, it's you know, natural immune extracts for, for animals, uh, it's you know, waste management. So China has stopped taking a lot of our waste. How do we manage that, especially in terms of textile waste? So textile waste, you know, fast fashion, sheets, linen, all of these things at the moment are going to landfill at a rate of 6,000 kilos per 10 minutes in Australia. It's insane, isn't it? I know there's a French company out there looking at recycling cotton. Do you know about them? I don't. What are they called? I don't know. I can't remember their name. That's why I'm, I'm throwing it out there. But, yeah, they are talking about how much water is required to make a cotton shirt, and it's insane. And so they're talking about recycling the fashion that's already out there that, because it doesn't need to be going into waste. Absolutely. So um, that, I guess there are biotechnology pieces we're working on, and those things take time to develop the technology for, but they can have a highly scalable impact. And so by 22, 23, you know, I imagine all of those being rolled out and having a, a national, if not a global footprint in terms of the impact. And uh, that's something that we're, we're working hard that's on. That's fantastic. Now, listen, I know I said earlier that you mentioned that um, – you had an offer for listeners, so can you just briefly mention that? And um, I should mention that I'm talking to Julian Mitchell from the Mushroom Biotech Company Lifecycle, and 
yeah, I thought it was, I, I've been looking at your website thinking, look, there's too many things on there that I actually want to buy. So thank you so much for the discount for me. But can you just mention what it was to the listeners? Sure, yeah. I mean, it, we want people to try mushrooms and, and give them a chance as much as possible. And so for anyone listening today, uh, a promo called promo code MAGIC, M-A-G-I-C-K, and that's actually the name of our our products and, and the definition is the art of causing art and science of causing change to occur in conformity with will. So that's the name behind our, our magic range, which essentially just means, you know, through our daily cuppa, whether it's a mushroom coffee or a mushroom latte or the protein uh, products that we have, it's just about upgrading health on a small daily daily basis. And that's, I guess, why we would want to offer the code to your, your listeners for 15% off on trying some of these these products and really they're delicious in taste um, but the mushrooms and the medicinal mushrooms that are included in the ingredients allow for increased performance and health and so passionate about people consuming mushrooms um, you know the average Australian really thinks of mushrooms as buttons poisonous or psychedelic and that's the extent of our knowledge and that was the extent of my knowledge two and a half years ago but uh, it's a huge growth area and the understanding and education is is coming on board with with trying it. Yeah, it's fantastic. And listen, your website is um, www.lifecycle. It's l i f c y k e l dot com. Is it dot au as well? Yeah, it's either dot com or dot au. Um, so we have international customers and, and and can they follow you on Instagram or Twitter? Yeah, Instagram is probably our most uh, most popular and where we're putting out the most content. And it's just yeah, at Life, L-I-F-E, Cycle, C-Y-K-E-L. We made it difficult for people to find us in, in, at the beginning. Yeah, people you know, were typing in C-Y-C-L-E, but uh, I guess that inspiration came from that town in and when we landed the Kuchus were, I guess, inspired by different parts of the world, but especially Northern Europe for their waste management, their policies um, around work, around childcare, around um, maternity leave, around you know organic food. They were just doing so many things right in Northern Europe where the inspiration for the name came from because that's how you spell Cycle. Yeah, yeah in the Netherlands. Oh, well, I don't know about the Netherlands. I'm, is it the Netherlands or... I don't know, Sweden, but I do, I agree. The Northern Northern Europeans are so way ahead on so many different fronts, whether it's biotech, whether it's sustainability, whether it's carbon footprints, it's just incredible what they're doing over there. It really is, and I think um, you know, Australia generally tends to align themselves with England and America, um, and that can be troublesome. Um, and I think it's good to look outside of those countries for what's really going on and what's what's innovative and um, those guys keep to themselves a fair bit but they're just they seem to be doing some some amazing work thank you so much julian for coming on the show i've really appreciated um the time that you've dedicated to this morning because i know we tried uh and aborted the attempt yesterday because it wasn't working out but i do know how busy you are and really appreciate any of the time you've given it i love the work you're doing with the schools i love the work that you're doing with community and that kind of generative spirit that the business has for just wanting to have everyone get involved in in this food movement that's healthy and sustainable. So, you know, it's just been such a pleasure having you on. Thanks so much, Lizzie. Always happy to talk talk mushrooms and talk uh, the future of food and community, and I think they're all entwined, which is, which is nice. Fantastic. Listen, thanks so much, and um, I'll leave any of the information that we talked about in the show notes uh, on the webpage so you'll be able to look at that and in iTunes. And um, for now, I'll just say cheerio. Cheerio. Bye.
Thank <laughs> you.